Listen to this. Zakawani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. <laughs> First one. Good. Can you guys hear us okay? We good? Good. This We're is good. great. So welcome. This is obviously side by side. I'm Steve Zakwani, and to my right is my captain, Brad Evans. And we're just here to talk to you guys, obviously, about the game today, Charlotte FC. We'll interact with you as much as possible. We'll have some trivia as well, and we'll see how this goes, okay? But as always, appreciate all the support. Every download, every comment, it means the world to us. So really appreciate that. And it's great to be here live and do this in person. So I don't know if you guys saw the lineup, if you want to start there. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'm bringing it up right now. No, I don't think so. Is the lineup out yet? We have the lineup? Not yet. Let's talk about anticipating. I know it, but I can't share it yet. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I don't anticipate any changes. I mean, they they get, what, a week off after this? Yes. And so we're straight into a break. Uh, We understand, you know, last week was three points in... Or three games in, in seven days. Took six and points. And that's a tough run. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But six points um, in nine, you'd have taken that, right? Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. If you, I mean, you played on a team for many years. If you were in that locker room now, where would your, on a scale of one to ten, your panic meter be? Not a great start domestically, but would you be one or a ten or somewhere in between? I'm at a one. There's absolutely no panic. And I think talking with the fans, I think we all agree. There has been questions about, hey, what happened at the start of the season? Yeah. And it's a simple explanation. If you read any article, the team put everything into Champions League. And that's why we're able to take a photo with the biggest trophy on the continent. And that's fantastic. And I encourage everyone to take a photo with it because you may not see it for another 20, 30 years. And that's that's the reality. Because you know now Liga MX is going to say, how do we stop this from happening again? Yeah, right? they've they've continued their dominance, and and we are hopefully not just a blip, but that is their goal. Yeah. So and, and we knew that, right? Every every game leading up to Champions League, we moved to the end of the season to say, okay, we are going to throw all of our eggs in this basket. Yes, if we can get a result against an MLS side, we'll take it. But I think the only concern was that San Jose game, right? You're up yeah. in San yeah. Jose, yeah. but you knew the next game was so big yeah. for the club. And there was that little lapse in concentration that normally you don't see great teams have that lapse. Yeah. But, you know, that was the one game I think we can all look back and say, okay, it was worth it to lose that game to win this trophy, and we're okay with that. And I think that we're on, on the right foot. And tonight we've got the Seattle sunshine, and I'm hoping that Charlotte's saying, what do we get ourselves into? We do. So tonight, you know, we use this term a lot in sports, must-win games, etc. I don't think the Sounders are anywhere near a must-win. One of the things about MLS is you can have a bad start, and we've seen this team do it, go on a 20-game run where it's just lights out, make the playoffs, get hot at the right time, and win. But urgency-wise, when do we have to start winning and getting our form going? Yeah, I think at this point, um, we just need to get into a rhythm, and the results will follow. We know that this is a good team. I mean, if you look at our lineup, Oftentimes as a player and, and you're looking at a lineup of Ziggy and, and Brian, you'll always go in the locker room. They'll write the lineup, what you're going to face you know, that evening. 
And as soon as you see one or two guys missing from the other team that you expect to be there, you're licking your chops. And I think we're at a point now where our lineup is pretty freaking strong. And I don't think that any team is going to come into Seattle and look at that lineup and say, okay, we have the advantage tonight. And you're not going to face many other MLS teams that when our team is healthy, and now obviously we miss JP for the remainder of the season, but we have high-quality players that are going to step in. I don't think you're going to see too many teams say, okay, we have the advantage tonight overall. And I think that's a telling sign of this team and this roster as we move into, okay, is there a time to win tonight? Of course, there's an opportunity. It's not a must-win, though. And we won't know that until later on in the season. But we have five home games now through the month of June. We don't leave the state for the whole month of June. And you have to take advantage of that. So so that's 15 points pretty much um I, I i would say this i would say two things the sound has got to do in my opinion to get where they should be replace jp and i'd be curious because that was your position is his replacement already here or do we have to go out Garth, adrian open up the checkbook and bring someone in that's one but number two as well i still think there's more to come from albert rusnak now this guy's a fantastic player, really, really good player. But when you're that good, I want to see a version of him that I saw in Salt Lake, goals, assists, really impacting the game. We haven't seen that yet, so I still think he'll come into his own more. And I would lean more to, I love Vargas, love Atencio, Kellen Rowe is very serviceable. JP is JP. You can't replace him. I would love to see the club go out and find someone that might be tough. I don't know if you can. I mean, JP is, if he was healthy and he played another three, four years here, you're talking then, is it Aussie status? Are you knocking on that door? No. Why? No. no. Why not? Listen, there's mere mortals <laughs> and there's Osvaldo Alonso. No. He's not getting touched. No. No. I, I love JP. Aussie was just, listen, we can get into some of that, but I agree. If JP... The form he was on, he was on his way to, you could argue, he's already, in my opinion, one of the best players we've seen playing on that, on that pitch right there. Um, I just have a soft spot for Ozzy because, listen, when you played with this guy, 09 to, I would say those first three years. You understood. He was a different level. It I think was, the only person we can have that conversation with is probably Christian or Steph. For? For the argument between both, right? Because I think... They saw him in his latter days, but he was still extremely impactful. We know that, right? Now, none of those guys have seen an informed JP and an all-star caliber Aussie, right? right? So it's a really hard one to discuss. And we'll always, I mean, Aussie will be there for the remainder of time. And if JP (laughs) can get healthy, then we could have that conversation. But Rusnak, I don't don't think that you're going to see the goals and assists. Mm. I think he's very good in this dual number eight. Um, and it's a position that I don't think he was expecting to play at all. So we're going to see the best of him in weeks and months from now, and that's okay because I think if he gets paired with a true defensive midfielder, you're looking at a pretty high-caliber midfield then, right? Nico, Rusnak, and another high-quality midfielder. Well, I'll ask you this because two years ago, maybe even a year ago, JP goes down. It's a no-brainer you move Christian Rodon back to that position. It seems like Schmetz and all of us think now Christian's best role is on the right. Is that 
something you agree with or are we going to see him? Because Christian and Albert Rusnak, I mean, that's as good as anything in MLS. But I think Christian gives you so much attacking-wise now. I can't see him moving back, but I don't know. Until he is not providing a goal and assist and, you know, drawing a penalty kick every other game, yeah. then you have that conversation. But if you're Schmetz and you're sitting in the locker room saying, how do I get my best players on the field to get a result? Christian has to be high up in the field. He's not a traditional winger. And I think that's what makes him so dangerous because outside backs from other teams yeah, yeah. have no idea what to expect. No, he's like Paul Ariola. Right? Yeah. He's very yeah. unpredictable. Yeah. Same yeah. body size, but so impactful because they don't play like out-and-out -out wingers often. Yeah. And um, when you have Jordan on the other side, it provides Christian even more opportunity and space to play. Now, if Jordan goes down, I think it's different because Jordan takes care of two and three defenders on the opposing team every time he touches the ball. Yeah. And that frees up space for Christian, and it allows our two sixes to have less pressure. Will Jordan and Christian be on the plane to Qatar? Yeah, I think so. Both? Yeah, I think so. At this point right now, yes. Do they still have work to do? Yes. But I think Jordan provides the intangible speed that at any moment can open up a game against the fastest in the world and the best outside backs in the world. And if you need it, playing over the top in the last minute to get a result, who else would you rather have on the field? No, no, Th I, throughout the league or yeah. anywhere? I agree with you. I'll throw another name out. We discussed this recently. We had him on a podcast recently too. He probably won't, but why, why is Stefan Fry? I know we here, we know how good Steph is. Why is he not getting any kind of look whatsoever in Greg's plans? And so, you know, Stefan and I were drafted the same year, 09. I've known him since college days. I played against Stefan, scored against him, missed against him, all of that. And he's gotten better every year. And when I watch MLS and I... Can't, I'm not the best judge of goalkeepers, but the amount of points he's won this club in trophies, it's insane to me that he's getting no love whatsoever from a national team, and I'm surprised. I mean, it's a tough one, right? Only three goalies get to make that trip. You know, you can argue for other positions on the field. Yeah, he can play here, here, here. Some players can play. Christian can play every position if you need him to. So that's why he might be on that flight. Yeah. Um, and with goalkeepers, it's in the eye of the beholder, right? And that's the same reason why he came to Seattle. There were 25 other teams at the time that could have signed him but didn't. They didn't value him. Toronto didn't value him, his own team that he was at. So sometimes that goalie position is, is like I said, Tommy thought that that was a project and saw something that he could mold. Now, was it Rosie from the beginning? No. Did he drive Chad Marshall crazy? Yes, all the time. And I had to hear it on the road because me and Chad were roommates, staying up until 3 o'clock commiserating over – one simple goalkeeper error, but that's what defenders do, right? Um, but like Steve said, he's, he's molded into a player that is not only a leader, you know, for this city and for this club, but for the country as well. And my cycle saw Tim Howard, obvious, Brad Guzan at the time, obvious. And then that third one was kind of up for argument. Could you have brought a younger goalkeeper in to get experience? Yes, but what does that get you in a World Cup bringing a third young goalkeeper? Nothing. They're not going to play. Cycles before that, it was Marcus, right? Marcus was on that plane. Casey, Friedel, and Marcus, right? Those are the guys. And Tim was sprinkled in there in between. Yeah. And I think Steph just provides that perfect balance of weathered experience if something happens. I would love to know the stat of a third goalkeeper actually playing a minute in a World Cup game. Um, but if there's something to be had for an experienced player, you don't get any better than that in this league.
if Nick was still playing, I would say you take Nick, right? Just because he's been and ran through the gamut so many times. Steph just needs to be in that locker room and on that flight to say, hey, guys, from my experience, this is what I've faced. And there's absolutely no reason why, why he shouldn't be on that flight. And I would love to have an assistant coach on or even Greg to ask, what's the thought process? Yeah, yeah, no, right? uh, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, lineups I believe out. we have a lineup, yeah? So, you want me to run through it? Yeah, go for it. Any, any surprises? Uh, no surprises for, for me. Okay, go through. You, you have your hand up for a surprise? I thought... Okay, Ru Rui Diaz up top. Morris Ladero rolled on, obviously. Nuhu, Ariaga, Yamar rolled on. Stefan Fry, and then you have Rusnak and Vargas. Do you think that we're going to go more defensive? No. I thought Madranda might play from what I heard, but my information was wrong. So Why? Why did you, other than hearing that, why did you think he no, might play? I didn't think he should play. I okay. heard he will play. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was wrong, so. Well, he's on the bench. Yeah, you're informa he doesn't have any insider information here. You might as well ask. So a strong lineup, and it's what's to be expected, right? Um, and then you got a couple guys leaving on international duty after this, but the rest get a rest. So maybe Nuhu's picked up something, and we don't know, and he's going to give yeah. it a go. Who knows with this guy? Yeah. I mean, after he got hit in that Champions League game, he was walking fine right after the game. So I'm not sure with this guy what, what his deal is. We'll, we'll, we'll get to so, Nuhu. Um, I think facing, let, try to break down this Charlotte team the best we can, leading into, you know, what is... I, I always say, so for me, expansion teams go in one of two buckets. You have, obviously, us here set the blueprint for what an expansion team could be. We came out of the gates, sellouts, three straight Open Cups. We won them, um, playoffs every year, and we were on the map. I think Atlanta is in the Sounders bracket, LAFC's done it well, and you have others, Cincinnati, and a couple others who Miami. have gone the other way. Miami, and Charlotte, I think, in terms of the sellout, the branding, all of that, fantastic. I still don't know, soccer-wise, which bracket they're gonna fall into. I don't think it's a team that can come in and beat the Sounders. Hearing their coach talk this week, they're gonna come in and try to play and try to go at the Sounders, so I want to see that. It would be a great game for us to watch. But I'm still not clear exactly which path of expansion they'll follow. And I'm not, I'm not sure they'll go the Sounders' way. They can. Off the pitch, on the pitch, it's a very tough standard to follow. But for tonight, in a one-off game, MLS game, anyone can beat anyone. I'm still going with a 3-0, 3-1 win. But um, I think Charlotte... Can give us a few problems tonight, yeah. Yeah, I think they'll come out flying. Anytime we face an expansion team, they come out flying. And normally when we play teams here in Seattle, we're so fortunate to have the rain and to have the turf. And when teams come in here, especially those that play on grass, they have no idea how the ball is going to bounce. And historically, we can get on top of teams early. I don't think you'll see that tonight. I think you'll find Charlotte in their home stadium. They know what it's like to play in you know conditions not similar to this, but at least on turf. And... That can give them an advantage. They got here a couple days early and trained uh, down at Starfire. So I know they won't be scared by any means. But when I look at the lineup, as you should, there's not too much danger on that lineup. I think when you look at it, it's more of a even less than our 2009 team. I think you look at it like, okay, these are a lot of guys that didn't really play a lot of minutes at their clubs beforehand. And that's okay. That's good for us. But... As long as Ziggy used to always tell us, as long as you match their intensity, your skill is going to shine through. Yeah. 
And that is a case for tonight. You cannot underestimate this team because they've had a couple good results, right? I mean, they're playing in front of, what, they have 75,000 fans? Yeah, it's a great crowd. Yeah. And they continue to get yeah. 30, 40 plus at every yeah. game. So it's a team that's going to have pride in what they're doing, and they're going to come in here and want to get a result. Um, you know, much like, uh, much like Nashville did at the beginning of the year. We have their lineup, and I'm just going through it here. And this is a team the Sounders should beat. There's nothing here, really. And I wonder, because one of the things the Sounders did so well in 09 was they did really well in the expansion draft. If you remember, some of the guys, our core was guys like Brad Evans and guys who'd been around MLS, they came in. We signed really well internationally. Obviously, Casey Keller, but also don't forget, Freddie Lundberg came and really helped us. And then, if I can toot my own horn a little bit, we drafted very well from college and brought in a few good players. So, Who were the few good players? <laughs> okay, brought in one good player from college. So. But I don't know that you can build a team that way now in MLS, where it's mostly domestic guys who've been around and be successful. I don't think so. The league is too talented. It's too good. Too many good players. And looking at Charlotte's team, I just don't see enough. Anything can happen tonight. I'd be shocked if we don't see a 3-0, 3-1 win. And the lineup we have tonight, you expect to win. If I'm in that locker room right now, I'm looking around at Nico, Raul, Jordan. I'm saying, guys, we, this is our game tonight. So hopefully we get that. You just never know. Yeah, I mean, before we head into a little bit of a break, they haven't won an away game yet this season. So it shows you how much the crowd has played into their success early on, right? Playing in front of their own brand and crowd. So we're going to take a break, 10 minutes. And uh, then we're going to get some live interaction. You guys hang around, ask your questions, uh, or take off and grab a beer. But make sure to check out the trophy. And around the corner, some of our partners are over there, too. There's some pretty cool stuff that we've been doing with Ray Foundation. Uh, we were just in Yakima the past two days. Um, Thursday, Friday, helping build schools. we got two mini pitches going in there at an elementary school, partnering with Santos La Laguna. Uh, and so EarthGen's over there and a couple more partners. And they're just fantastic. Learn about them. And then... Hopefully, we'll see you guys as volunteers uh, at a couple of those events later on uh, this year. Cool? Cool. Stick around, guys, and make sure to come with some good questions. guys we're winding closer to kickoff here we'll take the next few minutes here just to interact with you we'll take some questions and it can be obviously about the game tonight the club our careers whatever you want nothing is off limits for us within reason and we'll be glad to answer any and every question so if you have a question feel free let's talk a little bit i think we have one right here know who we play uh, in the Champions League and could we really play Real Madrid? Yeah. That's <laughs> the yeah. only, what, six teams? Yeah, only six teams. Um, the Sounders will be in a play-in game. Real Madrid will go straight to the semi-final. And uh, yeah, if you win three games, that third game is a final against Real Madrid most likely. So 
I hope it happens because we've played these scenes before, but never in a real game. Yeah. I want to see what that looks like. I think the biggest thing here is, you know, the Sounders qualified first, right? And then Real Madrid. We still have to wait for the other teams, yeah. Africa, Asia, Oceania, and South America, right, to, to get in. But I'd be interested for you guys, what you guys want to see, right? Do you want to see Real Madrid or do you want to see, you know, the, the South American winner, right? Yeah. Probably a more realistic competition at yeah. the next level to, compared to, you know, Major League Soccer, right? That's yeah, where we get yeah. most of our talent from. Yeah, like are we going there to win or to have fun in the experience? So I think it'll be a delicate balance because to beat Real Madrid in a real game, it'll be fun, but that'll be tough. <laughs> I'd rather play a team from Africa or Asia or someone we have a real chance to beat, but we'll see. When are you going to bring back your charity match? Oh, the, the Zakwani on Friends? It, for sure, next year, for sure. We took a little break because of the pandemic, but we're working, and yeah, for sure, we'll, we'll play the game next year, for sure, yeah. So, I loved both of you as players, and I respected you both so much, but I do have to know, because I've always wanted to and never have the opportunity Who's to Who's faster? No. What did it feel like to go from Seattle and put on a rival Western Conference kit. You talking to me? I'm talking to both <laughs> of you, but I am looking mostly at Steve. So, so I'll tell you, <laughs> I'm glad I can speak about this. Listen, yeah. no, no, so obviously I'd done, at that point, five seasons in Seattle. People have to understand that when I came to the States, I went to college first. My college coach was a guy, he's not very well liked up here, Caleb Porter. He was my college coach. So obviously we stayed friends. And he ended up at Portland. And I was in a place where I wanted to get back to playing, try to revive my career, and to be with him. And I had four teammates from college on that team, friends. Had he been in Kansas, had he been in Utah, wherever he was, I was going. So it happened to be Portland. Some teammates weren't very happy. I know Adrian wasn't very happy. Ziggy was not happy with me. So it happened. But within a year, it didn't work out there, and I came right back home. So I'm here. Yeah, I think there's circumstances to everything, and there's a reason, right? I don't think Kansas City's a rival by any means, but it's a bit fabricated to me, that rivalry. Um, you know, but Peter was my under-20 national team coach with Ziggy, and on that roster, each assistant coach got to pick one player to make that team, and I was Peter's pick. And so I was one of the last picks to get on that flight. And so I'll be indebted to him for forever. Uh, and at that time, you know, the Sounders told me, we're not going to sign you unless you're healthy. I knew I wasn't going to be healthy. So I called every team and, you know, from L.A. all the way across. And they were like, oh, we don't know if we have the cap space. And then Peter answered the call and was like, yeah, I don't even care if you're healthy. Just come be a part of the team and be good in the locker room. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I didn't play a minute. I was good in the yeah. locker room. <laughs> but uh, could never get healthy. So, you know, it just... But we always end up back here, right? You look around everyone uh, that's been on this team, you know, even talking with Chad. Does he want to live in Indy? No. But circumstances are his family's there, right, or her family's there. So we're trying to get these guys back. They want to be here. Um, and through sports, you can't control things sometimes. Um, but this club has always provided an opportunity. If, if you're putting in the work for the badge, they're always going to have a spot for you on the other side. Yeah, and to understand, in sports as well, there's always a lot more behind the scenes. Like, I had the opportunity at that time to go to New York, but that's moving my entire life to the East Coast, giving up my house, things like that. Portland was right there. So, it's a lot more than just a rivalry. There's also life situation, but that's a great question. What do you think the most likely team from Oceania? Oh, my gosh. Sorry. 
it's from Oceania. There's a couple of really good Australian teams that I know. Um, Melbourne City might be one of them, but I don't know too much about the soccer down there, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Does the J-League come out of Oceania, right? And historically, they've had some pretty good teams, very technical players. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I have no idea, to be honest. I haven't looked that far ahead. You probably know more than we do about that. Yeah. What about Asia? Same. 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 Don't know. Yeah, I don't know enough. We don't play there, so we don't know enough. Brad? Sorry. Hot mic. Uh, Brad, can you take a minute to tell us about your uh, foundation collab? Yeah, sure. I mean, our, you know, Contrib is is awesome. Uh, we've been doing some really cool stuff with the Ray Foundation. You know, we had a wine night with some guests here the other, that Kellen Rowe hosted, all for a great cause. And in a, in a, uh, we raised just south of, of five grand for the nonprofit that he wanted to. So we've been doing some really cool stuff and experiences and had a really good time. So hopefully we can expand it. I think Ray Foundation's raised upwards of 20 grand on our on our platform so it's great hopefully we can get we can sell all the tickets to his match on our platform next year and you guys can have fun bidding on those yeah. bid each other up <laughs> you guys had such fun careers to watch what was your favorite moment from all of that you've experienced wow favorite moment <clears throat> it's there's so many and if i come back tomorrow to answer this question it could change but you can't escape the inaugural game because we did training camp in Ventura. We went to Buenos Aires, Argentina. We had no idea what it would be. And to walk out that day and see 30,000 fans, a sellout, and this was home, this was real, and we won the game. Brad scored. We won the game 3-0. I can't escape that. That started all of this. But I always go back to the three Open Cup wins, winning the first one in D.C., winning at home here against Columbus, beating Chicago, being part of those teams that was winning trophies, it set us on the path to where we are now. But that inaugural game is tough to beat. Yeah, I, I can still place myself in the locker room, in, in you know, the national anthem of the first game. But that first Open Cup, and like Steve said, you go different places at different moments. But I still remember being on the field and looking up at our fans that had traveled all the way from Seattle to D.C. at RFK, just rats running around in that gross stadium. <laughs> and to win it there was... It, that was really special, um, and to do it that early. But I'll always remember the text messages I got after the first game here of other players around the league saying, what the hell's going on there, yeah. right? They had No one's ever seen that before. And you had one-offs when Beckham's in the arena, you're going to sell out, right? Yeah. But this was a group of guys who are some local. Freddie, yes, was a big star, but not... Beckham by any means yeah. and then you had a bunch of workhorses who put on the badge and played for it from day one and all the text messages were just that's amazing I mean coming from Columbus you know we had just won a supporter shield and uh, MLS cup and even those guys like how do I get there right so you guys put on that show in the stands to show what it was like to be a sounder from day one in 2009 and it continues today and we're fortunate to, to just talk about it now Hello. Okay. So I'm a huge fan of Freddie Montero. Do you have a funny story that involves him? A funny story. Funny story. I, I'll, I'll, the Freddie's story, I always remember, it, it's not even a story, but we played a Champions League game, and it was like a Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday night game. And, you know, getting in here on a Tuesday, Wednesday night pre-pandemic was wild, right? We had to leave the east side 
hours before the game, even just to get here on time. And something happened on the 90, and he was backed up. There was a car crash in the tunnel. Could not get to the stadium, and so Ziggy was like, Gene, can we, can we get a helicopter to fly in there and pick up guys and get them to the stadium on time? And we went through warm-ups. Okay, Freddie's not going to play today. Whatever. Brand new lineup. Four guys were missing, but specifically it was about Freddie at the time. And he showed up right as we were getting our jerseys on, tying our boots to go out, change the lineup, put him in the starting lineup, and didn't even warm up, but started the game. Yeah. And I always looked at that like, there is no way I could ever just walk on a field and play soccer. Yeah. Even at 20, I was probably 28, 29 at the time, but I required multiple hands to get my situation going of how my body felt. But he could just, it's a crazy thing about Freddie. You could throw him out on any game, throw him out without a warm-up, and he could just play exactly as if he warmed up for an hour like us. And I'll always remember that, and that'll always stick out in my mind. Yes, Steve, Steve first. Where did you play your youth soccer? My youth soccer? Yeah, where did you begin your youth soccer? Yeah, yeah, so I'm from London. So I grew up playing there for some local teams, but at age nine, I signed with Arsenal. And no, I was with the Gunners for six years. Through my age nine through 15, I was at Arsenal the whole time. And then I ended up coming to the States a couple years later to go to college. So my early football was in the Arsenal Academy. Um, that's where that's your team. Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. So I, that, that was my team, and that's why I played. I lived in Tottenham, which is the biggest rival. So I'd go cross town to where Arsenal was through Tottenham, and I would not put my Arsenal jacket on till I got past that line because it's serious. It's ten minutes away, but you couldn't. So, but I was five years at Arsenal, six years. Okay, Brad, where did you begin your youth soccer? So I started at Man United at nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I grew up in Arizona. Um, you know, at nine years old, I didn't even know what soccer was, right? We didn't have Sounders of 1974 in Arizona. We didn't have anything. So, and we didn't have it on TV. I didn't watch soccer on TV until I was 16. Fox Sports World was the channel that came on. So I would watch BBC News and watch highlights. And that's the only dose of soccer I ever had. Uh, I wasn't in a soccer family, and I was training Tuesday, Thursdays. That was it. Uh, so, yeah, I grew up in the desert and didn't know any better. Just It was something I was good at and uh, happened to have some good coaches along the way to push my parents into the next level that did know what they were talking about. Um, but we had a lot of guys come out of, of Arizona, right? Pablo Mastroeni was a, was a legend in, in the early 90s, uh, playing his club soccer career there and then going on to, I think, two World Cups and an MLS legend. So there's some talent that somehow, sometimes just in your blood, and there's no other way to put it, right? Sometimes you don't need the best trainers and to train 10 days a week. Sometimes it's just in you. And a lot of those guys from Arizona is, is what happened. Now, we can always admire, right, youth big-time club teams that are spitting distance away, that stadiums that share an alleyway. That's the dream. Uh, and now we're starting to get a taste of that with Ballard. That's just another avenue now for some kids to, to look at, right? We were in Yakima, and one of the kids was like, yeah, I went to Evergreen, but it was during the pandemic, and what do I do now? It's like, well, there's different avenues to playing pro, and now we don't just have one team, Sounders Academy, that is going to get you there. You can now go to Ballard and try out, and you better believe Lamar's an owner. You, he's going to want to sell a player to the Sounders if he can, right? So it's just another avenue, and you have to have that to raise the quality of the game up. 
Who is faster? Now? Take a I don't guess. Know. No, I'll tell you now. I cannot run. <laughs> I, w I was in a workout last week, and it was an 800 meter, and I was doing it with an ex-Seahawk. And in my head, I was like, don't run. Just don't be an idiot. It was an 800 meter. You're supposed to do it four times through with some other stuff. And 300 meters into it, I promise you, my calf popped. And in my head, I was just like, what are you trying to do right now? No, I can't run anymore. So even as a player, couldn't run. <laughs> um, I used to be very, very fast, but it, it, things are very different now. So I'll just say that. He's bionic. <laughs> He's got metal in his body now. I can't run. One more question, guys. Okay, so we know like being physically fit is important, right? But how do you overcome like the mental aspect? What are some tips to overcome that anxiety in super tense moments? That's a great oh. question. The, the mental side of the game. Um, it's hard because everyone's different. Um, for me, like I always felt if I wasn't nervous before a game, I'd be worried. If I had a little bit, you know, butterflies in my stomach before kickoff and Ziggy's speech and maybe Brad gave a speech as a captain or Casey Keller back then as well, like, you really were juiced up, but you, you, as you learn yourself, you build a routine. So I always play the same music, normally had the same meals on a game day. I kind of had a routine. And then once the whistle blew, everything disappeared. I was relaxed. But I felt a little bit of nerves was good. I didn't mind it. But it's also, the other side is, it's so hard to be a pro athlete because it's every day. It's every day. And... It's one of the only jobs where people can come to your job, 40,000 of them, and scream at you for sucking. It's like, I can't do that to anyone else. So you got to be mentally tough, mentally strong. And one thing I'll say is you have to ride the waves, you know, because we can win a game 4-0 and feel we're the best team in the world. Next week, we'll lose 3-0 and feel the complete opposite. So staying level, I learned that maybe two, three years in, and it helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the hardest part is knowing that at any point, if you're really good, they could trade you for three players that are really good for your same value. And if you're not playing well at the time, you could get a knock at any point saying you're getting traded for a player at a different team. So I never bought a house here in Seattle because the curse of buying a home was real. James Riley bought a house. Three weeks later, he was gone. And that's the things that, you know, we, we think about all the time is, okay, how do I just... Sometimes, how do I just stay here? Um, and it's tough. But, you know, we had consistent coaches, consistent owners for the majority of our careers, and that made things easier for us was the support group around it. We never had that big change where yeah. everyone in the locker room was different, and it was like, the, well, what do I do now? Uh, it was a very slow buildup. But with, you know, Taylor Graham, Roger, Zach, Casey, you know, Freddie had run the gamut as well. Um, all those guys provided some sort of confidence early on. When the coaches would get upset, they would kind of take guys aside and be like, okay, this is the reality of it. Like Steve said, yes, you lost, you played like crap, but tomorrow's a new day. And not every player can handle that, right? Steve ruined guys' careers. I mean, seriously, we had a draft pick of that same year, and he had to mark Steve every practice. And I'll always remember the story where Schmetz was like, Evan Brown, do something. And he just yelled at Schmetz, you come out here and try to do something. And he was gone three weeks later, right? New team. So that's the harsh reality of sports, but you know it getting into it. Yeah. And that's just, it's, it's part of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the mental side can, can be tough. Uh, but now, I mean, I came in in 2007, there were hardly any resources. 
Um, but I know that now the team provides, if you're struggling, hey, let's, let's figure out what's going on and uh, try to ease some of that pressure and feel like part of a family and part of a team the, the best you can. Um, I believe we're going to end shortly now with some trivia, yes? Are we just... So, Brad's got, Brad has to answer questions on me and vice versa. And I'll, I'll go first. This is... It's a question about you, you right? No. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about me. Yeah. Okay. Brad, where was Steve Zakwani born? Country. Country? Yeah. Where were you born? <laughs> I don't think you were born in England, were you? <laughs> Congo. Correct. I was born in the Congo and raised in London from age four onwards. Well done. One for one. How many seasons did I play for the Sounders? For the Sounders? Five, four, three, two, eight one. seasons. Nine. I mean, most of them I participated in. <laughs> um, didn't necessarily play in all of them. So I didn't write these questions. Just So it says, 2010 was a great year for the Flying Winger. How many regular season league goals did I score in 2010? Oh, was it double digits? <laughs> I, I want to say... Hmm. Regular season. Yeah. I want to say... 11. 10. 10? <gasps> 10. Did you score in the playoffs that year? I, I don't remember. We'll get to that. Okay. Where did I attend college? Bonus point. The mascot of the school. No chance on a mascot, um, but UC Irvine. UC yep. Irvine, yeah. UC Irvine, yeah. Mascot, anybody? Anteater, thank you. What do you no mean? Way. You didn't know that? No, no chance. All right, last one from me. Zakwani represents a lot of firsts for the Sounders. First draft pick and also the first Sounders player to do what in 2010? The first player in 2010 to do something? Yep. I don't think it's a hat trick. Nope. Two goals, maybe? I did that, but it wasn't first. Nope. Score with your head ever? You just once. So there's, there's a funny story here. So Was I, that the answer? No, no, no. We'll oh. get to that. <laughs> I can't head the ball. Never could. Ziggy Schmid, after preseason, told me for every headed goal, he'd give me $100. Every goal. The next game, I scored a header, and he gave it to me. It's the only 100 bucks I got. I missed every <laughs> other one. But no, you, you, you pretty much had the answer earlier, almost. But What was it? I'm never going to Scored the club's first ever playoff goal against the Galaxy. Oh, playoff goal. Fair enough. 2010. We lost, but yeah. Okay, here, here's an over-under. How many caps do I have for the U.S. men's national team? Over-under, 25. I want to say you have in the 30s. So this it's over. Over, yep. But I think this is counting U20 national team as well. So it's, it's over. I think 27 for the U.S. team yeah, and 10 right. for youth teams. Yep. Perfect. Here's a bonus. I have one goal. Who is it against? Jamaica? Jamaica. I, mean, I, w I watched that game. Yeah, Jamaica. That's right. Jamaica. Awesome, guys. Really appreciate everyone here. 
make sure thank you every week around i think it's thursdays the podcast comes out keep listening we'll keep doing our best to bring you um inside the club and great guests and recapping the games all that stuff we're having a blast doing it but tonight we'll let you guys go go out there cheer on the boys let's try and get us three points thank you